It's fall 1979, and in Wichita, Kansas, Pizza Hut CEO Frank Carney shows a group of franchise owners into the company's test kitchen. He's brought them here to show them a new menu edition that's been three years in the making. He opens the refrigerated cabinet where dough is left to rest and rise at the ideal temperature and humidity and removes a black pan filled with uncooked pizza dough. This is Sicilian pan pizza. I reckon it's the crowd pleaser we need. The franchisees look doubtful. Carney said the same about the ill-fated taco pizza. It's two years since PepsiCo bought Pizza Hut and it's been downhill ever since. Runaway inflation and minimum wage hikes are eating into profits, and competitors like Godfather's are luring away customers with pies loaded with more toppings. It's so bad that right now, 60% of Pizza Huts are losing money. Carney starts smearing sauce onto the dough while giving the franchisees the lowdown. It's our spin on Chicago-style pizza. The market's split over thick and thin crust, and we've never won over the thick crust lovers. This will change that. Carney layers on the cheese, pepperoni, and green peppers. The main change is the dough. Pan pizza needs to be portioned and refrigerated in advance, not at the time of the order. A franchisee interrupts as Carney loads the pan into the conveyor oven. So our people will be making two kinds of dough? Regular and pan pizza? Yeah. You also need to buy pans, spatulas, and cork pads. Cork pads? Pan pizza needs to stand out, so it's going to get served to dine-in customers in the pan. The cork pads will keep your tablecloths from burning. Frank, my stores are already hurting. I don't need any extra expenses. But you need extra sales, right? In test stores, pan pizza increased sales 25 to 100%. The franchisee's eyes widen. They haven't tasted it yet, but after those figures, they don't need to. They want pan pizza in their restaurants pronto. The following year, Pizza Hut Pan Pizza goes nationwide in a blaze of ads. place you can get a pan pizza this good your hometown pizza hut restaurant home of pan pizza pan pizza unites lovers of thick and thin crusts under pizza hut's red roofs soon the threat from godfathers is receding and pizza hut is hot again but it's about to get caught off guard because domino's is closing in with a speedy plan to take pole position. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business and be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more all with easy financing option through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. Louisiana's diverse landscapes include dense timber forests and seafood-rich coastlines. And every step along the way, you'll find a business environment that's strong, diverse, and ripe with opportunity. Need proof? 
Louisiana is where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will soon put the first women on the moon. It's also where the port system delivers the most domestic cargo in the U.S., and Louisiana is home to the best workforce development program in the country. See what Louisiana economic development can do for you. Visit OpportunityLouisiana.com today. From Wondery, I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. On the last episode, Pizza Hut joined the PepsiCo empire, while Domino's dueled with debt collectors. But now, free of debt, Domino's hopes to use speed to turn itself into America's largest pizza chain. This is Episode 3 of Pizza Hut vs. Domino's, Delivering the Goods. It's summer 1980. And in San Diego, California, a woman leads Tom Monahan into the room he's dreamed of entering since founding Domino's, the office of Ray Kroc, the man who built McDonald's. Monahan has long dreamt of meeting Kroc, who Monahan sees as a kind of business guru. Starting in 1972, he ordered one of his assistants to call Kroc's office every month to ask for a meeting. At last, Kroc has caved and agreed to meet with this persistent pizza magnate. Monahan's looking to gather some wisdom from this fast food oracle. He wants to know if he should press ahead with his strategy for rapid expansion, simple menus, and fast delivery. Mr. Crocs in there, just head right on in. Monahan feels a shiver of excitement run down his spine. Croc is sitting behind his desk. He's 78 and looks frail but there's still a lively sparkle in his eyes. Mr. Monahan, sit down, sit down. I hear you're in the pizza game. Yes, sir, I am. Please call me Tom. I'm so honored to meet you. I, I'm a big admirer. In fact, I've brought my copy of your book, Grinding It Out. Would you mind signing it? Croc takes it from Monahan's outstretched hand and signs the title page with a flourish. So, pizza, interesting business. How many pizzerias you got? We only do delivery, no dine-in. But we got nearly 300 locations. We've had some tough years, but the business is strong now. So, what's next? Uh, expansion. Yeah, I, I want to get to 5,000 stores by 1985. Croc raises an eyebrow. Whew. That's a lot of stores very quickly, Tom. You know, it's no good just opening lots of stores. Any old fool can do that. The trick is opening lots of stores while keeping your standards high. And that's so tough, it'll make you crazy. Sure, but I think my franchising approach will make it possible. We don't sell franchises. You see, to get a Domino's franchise, you have to run a Domino's as an employee successfully for at least a year. That way, only people who know how to run a Domino's the right way get to open one. <laughs> Neat system. So tell me, why are you expanding? Um, well, I want Domino's to be big. Really big. The biggest. I want Domino's to be a household name, like McDonald's. Croc leans forward. Tom, some advice. 
you already got it made. From what you've told me, your business can give you all the money you need. You should slow down, take it easy, play it safe. Don't gamble with what you got. Monahan stares in disbelief. Is this the same Ray Kroc who said business is, quote, rat eat rat, kill or be killed? Mr. Kroc, uh, I, I can't do that. I won't. Uh, playing it safe wouldn't be any fun. Kroc's face breaks into a huge grin. He grabs onto Monahan's hand and starts shaking it. <laughs> That's just what I hoped you would say. Yes, yes, yes. You don't win by playing it safe, Tom. You got to go out there and get them. Monahan leaves on a high. It's taken 20 years of slog, but he's finally ready to follow in Croc's footsteps and conquer the world. But to succeed, he's going to have to go through Pizza Hut. It's 1982, and in Tupelo, Mississippi, Pizza Hut restaurant manager Frank Fowler helps another group of passengers into his hot air balloon. Welcome aboard the Cloudbuster, folks. Watch your step there, ma'am. Just a few final checks and I'll have you in the air. Passengers loaded, Fowler flicks on the burner and Cloudbuster begins its ascent. Soon the striped balloon and its giant Pizza Hut logo will be visible for miles. Fowler's been giving the citizens of Tupelo free balloon rides all morning, and he's doing it out of spite. It's been a month since the Pizza Hut franchise from Mississippi learned that Domino's was coming to Tupelo. At first, Fowler didn't see it as a threat. After all, Domino's serves college campuses and military bases. Fowler figured it wouldn't stand a chance against Pizza Hut's restaurants in residential Tupelo. But then, the promotional blitz began. Armies of people in Domino's uniforms walking the streets and handing out coupons. Entire neighborhoods with Domino's flyers dangling off their doorknobs. Local TV and radio ads featuring a Domino's driver with the kind of southern accent that goes down well with folks in Tupelo. The idea behind Fowler and his balloon with its Pizza Hut streamer is to overshadow Domino's opening day. He fires up the burner again and imagines how peeved the Domino's team must be. But then, a passenger interrupts his daydreaming. Hey, is that a plane? Fowler squints into the sun. The guy's right. There's a crop duster heading right for them. You think he's seen us? Fowler smiles. Of course, we're hard to miss, sir. This cloud buster's 70 feet tall, 50 feet in diameter. It'll change course. But the plane doesn't change course. It keeps coming. Fowler maintains his smile, but he's getting uneasy now. The passengers look worried. If the plane gets any closer, he'll be able to see into the cockpit. Suddenly, the plane banks right to reveal the banner being carried behind it. Fowler's jaw drops as he reads the words, Domino's Pizza Delivers. As the plane circles his balloon, Fowler sees the camera flashes on the ground below and frowns. The press photographer his boss invited to take snaps of his balloon stunt now has a way better story to sell to tomorrow's papers. With the publicity and promotional blitz, Domino's lands in Tupelo with a bang. Within weeks, the new store is delivering more than $10,000 of pizza a week. And for Domino's, it's proof that delivery pizza can now work anywhere. When Domino's first tried breaking into residential areas in 1969, it nearly went bust. Back then, most married women were housewives, 
and few families saw the point of meal deliveries. But now, with rising numbers of two-income families, time is tight, and delivery pizza is fast and cheap. And with suburban America ready to dial a pizza, Domino's is primed to answer the call. Monahan sets his sights on opening 900 Domino's a year, and he ignites demand by spending big on TV ads promising frazzled Americans hot pizza at their door in 30 minutes. But as the nation warms to delivery, Pizza Hut feels a chill. It's summer 1984, and in the Pizza Hut conference room in Wichita, Kansas, the company's senior executives are jousting over how to deal with Domino's. One marketing VP urges action. We've got to get into the delivery business. If we don't start soon, we're never going to catch up with Domino's. A business development executive scowls. Have you ever been inside one of our branches lately? Our restaurants just aren't designed for delivery. The kitchens would get overwhelmed with the phone orders, and that'll give our dine-in customers a bad experience. You tack deliveries onto our locations in a panic, you'll destroy the business we've already got. Another senior executive nods. I agree. Besides, delivery pizza tastes like the box it comes in, right? I just think it's beneath us. It could damage our reputation for quality. Besides, won't delivery just cannibalize our restaurant sales? The room goes silent. For Pizza Hut, that's the critical question. Expanding into delivery only makes sense if it attracts new customers and increases sales. But what if it simply persuades customers to skip the dine-in experience and order from home? That would decimate sales at Pizza Hut restaurants and fail to recoup the cost of entering the delivery business in the first place. A man with jet black hair and a crisp white monogram shirt breaks the silence. He's Steve Reinerman, the new senior vice president of operations. Why don't we do some tests? We could open some standalone delivery units, see how they perform, learn what it takes, and analyze the impact on the local pizza huts. The business development executive nods. That could work. We'd have to do it in territories under corporate control, though. No franchisee will want to be a guinea pig and put their restaurants at risk. And our local store managers won't be happy. This experiment might hurt their sales figures. Reinerman runs a hand through his lush black hair. Well, in that case, we're just going to have to push past that internal resistance. This is a pivotal moment, and the executives know it. They don't want to strong-arm their own branch managers, but they also know they can't ignore dominoes. It's a fine line they're treading. They're keenly aware that rushing into delivery could destroy their existing business and topple their own empire. So they choose the middle ground. They roll out delivery slowly to gauge the impact on existing restaurants. But while it's dipping its toe into the delivery waters, Domino's is picking up speed. Every day, three more Domino's open their doors, making the task of catching up more daunting for Pizza Hut with every passing hour.
Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance, or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Go to Investor.gov today to learn about these investment products and more. How much do you already know about investing? Find out by putting your financial knowledge to the test with their new investment quiz. Investor.gov is your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. It's August 1985, and in Norfolk, Virginia... The Friday evening rush is on at Pizza Hut's standalone operation that just delivers pizza. The manager checks the completed orders going out the door and rushes back to the fax machine at the far end of the kitchen. The display light is blinking. The next customer order is already coming through. The manager drums his fingers as the paper inches through the machine, then pauses halfway through. He turns to the executives from the head office who've dropped in to see how their delivery experiment is panning out. You know, this machine is the bane of my life. The executives look away. They thought faxes would give Pizza Hut an edge. They wanted to streamline the order process by having customers call in their orders to a central delivery hotline. Then the call center would fax the order to the nearest restaurant. They thought the new process would save money and make it easier for people to memorize a single number. Trouble is, it's a theoretical boardroom fix for a real-life, busy, hot kitchen problem. And theory isn't translating into practice. The manager glares at the facts. You know, 60% of our orders come in during one hour around dinner time, and this thing creates a major bottleneck. How are we supposed to match Domino's 30-minute delivery promise working like this? Suddenly, the fact starts beeping. Oh, great, a paper jam. I tell you, if I ever find the bozo who came up with this idea, I'll fax him. The executive who championed faxes rubs the back of his neck and decides to go check what's happening at the other end of the kitchen. Despite their growing pains, Pizza Hut is learning how to do delivery, and fast. In mere months, it's learned tricks that took Domino's years of trial and error. The company now knows that while restaurant diners will wait to be seated, delivery customers are an impatient crowd who expect calls to be answered within seconds. It's also figured out that delivery costs don't change with order size. Therefore, to get good profit margins, they need to boost the average check size. So the company's made its delivery pizzas larger than those in its restaurants. That way, it can justify charging an extra 10% to bring the pies to people's doors. The trial shows that Pizza Hut's standalone delivery doesn't cannibalize customers from its restaurants. For most customers, dine-in and delivery are for totally different occasions. 
And now that Pizza Hut is sure that offering delivery won't destroy the dine-in business, it pushes to offer delivery nationwide and fast. But to do that, the chain must first convince its army of restaurant franchisees to open delivery stores in the territories they control. It's September 1985, and in Wichita, Kansas, tensions are bubbling up in Pizza Hut headquarters. In a large meeting room, Chairman Arthur Gunther is struggling to get the chain's top franchisees to get on board with delivery. Domino's is bearing down on us. We must defend ourselves. I want all of you to open delivery units in your territories. Agitation ripples through the room. One franchisee with more than 100 stores spread across the South pipes up. Most of my restaurants are in small towns where there ain't no Domino's. Domino's is not a problem for me. Why should I borrow to the hill to open delivery stores? I mean, how much money do our delivery units even make? Gunther stumbles. Um, well, uh, you must bear in mind that they're test units, so the expenses are higher. The southern franchisee interrupts. Hang on. Are you trying to tell us the delivery units are losing money? Well, at, at the moment, but how much are they losing? Uh, three million a month. What? You've got to be kidding me. But listen, uh, we predict that in three years they'll be in the black. The franchisees in the room recoil. One of them shouts from the back. Count me out. I'm not risking my business on this and you can't make me. Gunther's frustration boils over. Can't you see? Wait and see won't do. If you don't do delivery in your area, someone else will. People want pizza delivered. This is about all our futures. And if you don't do it voluntarily, I'll change the franchise agreements and make you do it. What? You don't mean it. No way. No way. Gunther's threat causes an uproar. Franchisees start yelling. Others grab their things and head for the doors. You can't make us do It's that. our money that'll be on the line, You're not gonna kill our For three weeks, all communication between Pizza Hut and its franchisees stops. Instead of fighting dominoes, the chain's turning on itself. Eventually, the head office and the franchisees agree to a temporary truce. No franchisee will be made to expand into delivery until both sides reach a deal on how to do it. In the interim, Pizza Hut decides to push on with a rapid rollout of delivery units in its corporate control locations. It's October 1985, and in a Las Vegas hotel meeting room, Domino's CEO Tom Monahan stands before a group of his senior franchisees, waving that morning's copy of USA Today. And there's an almighty grin on his face. I don't know if any of you have seen this. But they got this interview with Arthur Gunther of Pizza Hut. He's saying they're going to open 700 delivery units next year. Nah. Monahan no smiles way. as the franchisees boo the enemy. He adjusts his glasses and holds up the paper. Mr. Gunther also says, and I quote, Domino's represents our major threat right now. Well, I should hope so. <laughs> yeah, give them hell. Monahan tosses the paper aside and paces like a boxer warming up for the big fight. He feels electric, energized. He's waited years for this, the chance to go head-to-head with Pizza Hut. And now, that moment's come. He turns to his team. I've said for years we can be the largest pizza chain in America. And now's our chance. This fight is going to be scary and exciting. 
We're in the spotlight. We're the target. And everyone's going to be taking shots at us. But it's our moment. Us versus PepsiCo. We started this fight. And we're going to finish it. On the next episode, Pizza Hut lands a knockout blow. A courtroom delivers a multi-million dollar shock to Domino's. And Tom Monahan experiences a revelation. From Wondery, this is episode three of Pizza Hut versus Domino's for Business Wars. If you like our show, please give us a five-star rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app to listen ad-free. You'll also find some links and offers from our sponsors in the episode notes. Supporting them helps us keep offering our shows for free. Another way you can support the show is by filling out a small survey at wondery.com survey and tell us which business stories you'd like to hear. A quick note about recreations you've been hearing. In most cases, we can't know exactly what was said. Those scenes are dramatizations, but they are based on historical research. I'm your host, David Brown. Tristan Donovan wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Edited and produced by Emily Frost. Sound designed by Kyle Randall. Our executive producers are Jenny Lauer-Beckman and Marshall Louie. Created by Hernan Lopez. For Wondery. Looking for the hottest takes and the spiciest celebrity gossip? Look no further. Welcome to Rich and Daily, the all-new podcast from Wondery that's going to bring you up to speed on all of Hollywood's most current secrets and scandals. Need to know what Harry and Meghan are up to? What's the latest in Britney's conservatorship hearing? We've got you covered. I'm Arisha Skidmore-Williams, and along with my bestie and fellow celeb news fanatic, Brooke Sifrin, we're bringing you the latest entertainment gossip every Monday through Friday. Is that rumor you heard about Rihanna true? If it is, you better believe we'll have something to say about it. So if you want to be in the know about who's been seen with whom and who's in and who's out, Join us on Rich and Daily, because we don't just listen to the rumor mill. We give you the celebrity facts as they happen. Listen to Rich and Daily on Amazon Music, or you can listen to episodes ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. With Rich and Daily, feel the gossip. Wondery, feel the story.